Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. I imagine many of us finance professionals want to become great finance leaders, but how do you become an award-winning finance leader and at the same time have a finance career that works for you and not the other way around where you're actually slave to your career? Well, if you really want to know how to have all of this, then listen in to this week's episode where our guest mentor, Paula Downey-Jones, shares with us 11 areas where we as finance professionals can improve our value proposition, how we can gain a better depth of understanding in finance, the confidence that comes from making our careers work for us, and also the benefits of the winding road, which I think is a very key point that Paula makes, and I know myself personally is something that has led to a very fun and rewarding career. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, please let your friends, your colleagues know about us, we're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And yeah, if you want to follow up and connect with our guest mentor, you can find all the relevant details in our timestamp show notes at sitnshow.com podcast. So that's enough for me. So without further ado, over to Paula and the show. basically started the first part of my career within the management accounting and the commercial finance roles within big blue chip companies. So I started with EMI Records and then I went out to Honda and Coca-Cola. In 2004, I piloted a leadership development program at Coca-Cola, which basically matched me with a charity um, in East London. And I loved it so much that I left Coca-Cola and I became an aid worker in the Sudan and then subsequently in Sri Lanka, uh, where I set up a tsunami recovery program for the British Red Cross. So that experience took me away from the safety of the management accounting world and more into the operational side of finance um, and also within some conflict zones. When I came back to the UK, I did an interim turnaround role with a regeneration charity. And in fact, it was the same charity that I was matched with at Coca-Cola. Um, that was great. I won the Seamers Financial Business Leader of the Year Award. That was back in 2005. So all of that experience led me to my next role, which was Head of Finance for International Exploration and Production at Century which um, in the UK is the uh, parent company of British Gas. And I was responsible for setting up the international finance functions. This basically incorporated both my operational and my commercial finance experience. So after I finished that job, I, I set up on my own delivering financial and operational projects, one of which was um, helping Centrica set up their Middle Eastern office in Qatar. And then I also took some time out to um, start a family. So when my youngest child was two, I returned to the business world, but I wanted a flexible job. And I found this job, which is CFO of Smart Debit. Uh, and it's been great in bringing together all that experience I've had to date and in a role that gives me a broad remit and also the uh, strategic focus and also the flexibility that I need at this stage of my life. So here I am today. <laughs> There's so much in there, Paula. I'd love to, <laughs> love to touch on bits. I mean, the first bit that stood out to me is the, the work you did with the charity. And you made the comment, um, moving away from the safety of management accounts. Mm. 
Um, like, I mean, was, was it quite dangerous where you went? I mean, those, those, I wouldn't know much now about individual countries, but like, what, I mean, what gave you the courage, I suppose, to, to step away from the safety of management and accounting? I think, uh, I mean, I, I've always, prior to that, always been a big traveller. So I, I spent a couple of years just travelling and then I've sort of done lots of travelling in, in my holidays from work and things like that. So I, um, that's always been a challenge for me. I mean, I was, I was at a certain stage of my life when I was, um, you know, I was, I was single. I was, had got to kind of, in, not quite where I wanted to get to in, in business, but I'd kind of felt like I, I needed something else. Um, and the opportunity arose um, to be a finance manager in an aid agency. And I think also because I was piloting this leadership development program, I kind of had one foot in the charitable sector and one foot in industry. And I thought, mm, now I'm going to take a bit of a jump mm-hmm. out to do that. When I, when I mean the safety of the management accounting world, I mean, in Sudan, yes, I was working on a cross-conflict program. So I was working on both sides of, of, the, of the conflict there. And in, in Sri Lanka, um, it was just after the 2004 tsunami. So mm. one part of the country was you know, relatively safe. The other part I worked in on the east of the country was still um, in the, the conflict zone with the Tamil Tigers. Um, yes. But the, the management accounting world, up until that point, I'd been working in big companies, management accounting, never really seen cash worked you know it was kind of a quite a remote thing when i when i got out to these places here i was on my own with a laptop there was no infrastructure for a finance infrastructure wow. i had to go figure it all out <laughs> cash suddenly became king and it was a completely different stance on finance and actually you know i remember the first sort of few times when you know the first couple of days when i was out there i was thinking oh how do i do this how do i work petty cash how do i do this i'd never dealt with that stuff before <laughs> but actually I had to deal with it and it and it really opened me up to that operational side of things and it's given me you know a huge amount more breadth to my to my role and to, and to my experience than I would have ever got if I'd have stayed in the management accounting world in the finance uh, in the big companies and I think the point on that is a lot of people they just want to be in management accounting in big companies because that's kind of the sexy end of finance but yeah, actually it's yeah. quite a narrow um narrow remit yeah yeah I I, I I agree with you on that one. Actually, that that was a funny story about petty cash. I, I don't know. Did you ever have anyone actually steal your petty cash? Oh no, no, no one. Dare, oh, no, no one no. would dare cross me like that, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I remember I, I clocked off one Friday and um, we had a petty cash tin. I actually had it under my desk in a probably a hundred twenty kilogram safe. I come back in on Monday morning and the safe isn't there. Oh, now. Yeah, yeah, I got there was only a small bit of foreign currency in there, so I wouldn't have left much in yeah. the way of petty cash, only probably about 20, 30 sterling. But um yeah, I mean it's uh, cra- it's crazy, but but that's probably the most least dangerous thing compared to compared to you, you know, uh, operating out of Sudan and Sri Lanka. I suppose in terms of that breath, I know you said like cash is king. But like what other sort of experiences did you have then that you you sort of how do you say, um, find useful today? I mean, you must have been quite formative for you, those type of experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of, one of my first roles when I was out in the Sudan was to, um, I had to do the a kind of a payment run. Now, in that part, it was in South Sudan. So, you know, the country had been at war for many, many years. So there wasn't really the finance, the banking infrastructure there. So in order to pay people, people's salaries and things like that, we um, we hired a plane from the north of of, um, of Kenya. I was, I was based, for a lot of it, I was based out in Nairobi. And we literally flew the cash. So I 
remember arriving into Nairobi. I went to the bank. I took out 60,000 US dollars in cash in my backpack. <laughs> I traveled oh, wow. across Nairobi and, you know, oh, jumped, wow. on a, jumped on a plane that we'd, we'd hired and um, traveled into Sudan. Now, one of the interesting things there is that obviously you um, – you can't do that every week. So we ha I had to pay people for the next three months, but in a way that the financial controls were in place so that they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't take the money unless they've earned it. So both that and also my experience at Centrica, where I was putting in financial controls out in Nigeria and particularly in the Niger Delta, which again is, is kind of remote and a cash uh, kind of environment was very interesting because you really have to think differently about financial controls when A, you're not there, and uh, mm -hmm. and be you know it's pretty much all cash driven so yeah that was um yeah that that it was you have to think more creatively you have to think you know on your feet a lot more um but it has helped me a lot yeah I'm trying to think so you've, you've basically so you've done work there in terms of the african continent then you've got i suppose and, and obviously sri lanka i suppose you could say asia as well and you got the middle east as well in terms of your your, your work there setting up um what was the office you set up there in Qatar, was it? Yeah, it was it's Centrica's Middle Eastern office. It was a representative office. So that was not just finance. That was all the logistics of going and finding an office and oh, things sorry. like that as well. It just seems there's um, so many um, diverse experiences uh, that, you've, that you've, I suppose, been able to gain, Paula. I mean, in terms of... Is, again, what the, our audience listening in, I'm just trying to think, you know, what, what could they... I mean, how would they prepare themselves for taking on such a task? I mean, obviously, I'm imagining you don't have all the knowledge before you do these things. There's, <laughs> no. You're going to have to learn a lot. So, yeah. so how do you get yourself ready for these sort of things? Oh, getting you ready. I think, um, <laughs> I think. I mean, the, the first point I want to make on this is just taking a step back for a minute. And one of the things that I've always um, sort of had a view on, on my career is that I've, I've tried to make my career work for me rather than the other way around. So I, I've mm. never really been a slave to my CV. And I've never really thought, oh, no, I can't do that because what the hell that look on my CV? Because actually a lot of these times I've just gone, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. And then it turns out that it's worked out really well for me. And everything always leads to something as well. So um, going back to your original question how do you prepare for something like this um well i don't know if you can i mean i think i think you be open um be flexible and be adaptable and just you know just be able to think on your feet i think that's that's really what you can do um it, it's like when it wherever you are whether you're out in um you know in sri lanka or whether you're in a in a you know company here where i, where I work here there are always things that are thrown at you that you know you may not have had be able to pick a textbook up and say, oh, that's how I do it. And it's about having that core, um, you know, un underlying experience that you know you can write. I know I need to, to fit within this framework, but how you sort of be adaptable to make it happen. I think that's great advice for anyone in their career, Paula, you know, in terms of where we're looking to add value going forward nowadays. It's not a case of sitting at our desks and hiding behind computer terminals or numbers or reports. It's actually, you know, being open uh, flexible and adaptable as you said and i think that's if, if if we want to have rewarding careers going forward they're the things we need to be be applying um i i, I also sort of think that that was an interesting observation you may you never been a slave to your yeah. cv uh, i think that is also great that it, it's worked worked out for you as well because i think that's a lot of people feel that they need to uh, as they're developing their career need to have certain experiences i mean how, how do you how do you help people overcome that mindset? I mean, I know it's worked for you, but like, um, 
a lot of people I speak to feel as if they need to get particular experiences. It does seem to be a counterintuitive way of thinking it. Is that fair to say? Well, I think, I mean, I think the, the most important thing I would say is, and somebody said this to me um, ages ago, the winding road is more interesting and personally enriching than, yes, you know, the straight agree. line up to the top. Agree. And and that's been yeah. very, very true because, you know, there's certain, certain decisions that I've made, like I'm going to go off to Sri Lanka, or I'm going to go off and do this, that I thought, it might negatively affect my career, but you know, it's my life as well. And you only get one life on the planet, so enjoy it. Make it make it really eventful. That's actually, the advice. stuff that I've done has actually turns out surprise, surprise. <laughs> actually, worked out really well on my CV, but I didn't that, do it. Yeah, exactly. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, no, because like again, we're very honest. We're talking to an award-winning finance professional, Paula. So you know, like it, it obviously has, and it's just I wanted to bring that out of you because. I think there's a lot of us uh, feels that it's um, maybe it's that logical mindset some of us have where we need this piece of the jigsaw in and this one and this one. Just enjoy the journey. Yeah, and, and I, I have now now that, you know, I'm here and I, I'm in this role, I I think that I have quite a broad um, level of experience that in all honesty, if I'd have stayed on that big company route, I would not be, I would not have. I know that. The breadth that I have now is because I've had to deal with financial controls in Nigeria, because I've had to deal with this cash situation. I Maybe my maybe my safe was a little bit heavier than yours was in when you were overseas. I don't know, but all that stuff. Well, but but it's an important point. I mean, when we, when we hired, when we, when we, when I bought the, the safe, yeah, make sure that it can't be movable. Make sure it's, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff that you just never think of when you work in a big company in the UK. All that has to happen. And, you know, that that same experience, not perhaps not that exact thing, but a similar type of um, thought process may need to happen again in the future. But you can draw on that. Hey, I made it work that time. And, and in addition, it's about the confidence as well. You know, I, I landed in... Um, in the Sudan, I was in the middle of, a, you know, a conflict zone there, working this stuff out. I somehow survived and managed to get the finance right. So it gives me the confidence to know I can, you know, I can deal with other challenging situations that come up as well. That's, um, no, I, again, I love the way you just pulled that all together, Paula. So so thank you for doing that. And uh, again, as we're sort of on this thread, are there sort of any other areas or things we could be doing as finance professionals to improve our value proposition uh thinking going forward from from where we are now i mean i have you know if you would if you're asking me sort of what are the sort of top you know the top things that i would uh, how i would view things i mean i have a number of them. i mean obviously you can imagine i've got a number of things i mean so in no particular order <laughs> um, <laughs> what i would say is look at all your experiences as adding to your development even and yeah, perhaps especially the bad ones as well. You know, like I said, I've had probably more varied career than most, but but all of it is added to where I've got to now. And things that you wouldn't, you know, if I left university and was planning out how would I do this half this experience, I wouldn't have planned out to do it. It's just happened, but it has added to me. Um, role models and mentors are great. Um, you know, if you're in if you're in a in a corporate environment, um, relationships and politics are you know really key. Even though you you might not want them there. They are there. So mm, they're quite helpful. Yeah. And I would choose a role model who's um, who's accessible and you've got visibility over as well and how they interact with others. Um, a mentor can be a good um, uh, experience sounding board. Um, how you interact with peers and people who work for you um, is as important as your interactions with those more senior to you. So emotional intelligence, I believe, is, it has equal value to academic intelligence. And the higher up the organisation you go, the less it is about what you know technically and the more it's about how you handle people. 
Um, there's no substitute for hard work. Definitely not. Don't oh, matter how bright you are, at the end of the day, <laughs> you can't pull it off unless you're working hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is one thing. This isn't for everybody. For me, it works quite well, is, is build yourself a personal strategy. Um, so kind of imagine or visualize what that role is, what the location is, what the hours are, you know, what sort of industry, you know, what that looks like. And then once you have that in place – it's easier to know which opportunities to say yes to and which to say no to. And I think some people think you have to say yes to everything, but you don't. If you say if you say yes to everything, you're either going to be exhausted. Definitely. So if you have a strategy, you know you know what you need to say yes to and what you don't need to say yes to. So um, so I think that's quite important. Um, never waste a crisis. <laughs> problems. I, I, I'd say you've probably had a few, right? Yeah. To, uh, to share, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, problems and mistakes will happen. It's human nature. I mean, yes. what what's important is you. You firstly don't try and beat yourself up about it. Now, I'm the worst person at this. I really am, and it's easiest said than done. But try to. That's kind of wasted energy. You can try to seek out improvements or changes to a process that basically put you and your your company in a much more superior position before the problems arose. Then you're going to win on that one. So, so it's about, yeah, not wasting a crisis, basically. Try to, to make the most of it and move yourself forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, be aware of the impact, the perception. Regardless of the fact, mm. some people can perceive you in a way that is you're not intended and it counts. And I've had, um, you know, I've had a few uh, things over, over my career where I've just been, why do they think that of me? That's incredible. And it's because of the way that I've, you know, I've, I've come across, so I've had to be very, very conscious of, of how I'm perceived. Um, but that can have a big impact as well. Um, so, you know, one of the things, I mean, we just spoke briefly before we started this podcast about, you know, asking for help and things. Um, one of the things that I just thought about, actually, asking for help is not a sign of weakness at all. And actually, it can be very valuable. So I would definitely um, put that back on the list as well. I'm delighted that other people are saying that because it's one thing, you know, this you know our audience hearing that from me most weeks, but um, it's great when guests say that, and yes. and guests that are such um, but by, by the sounds of it, you, you know, a very rewarding career, and one I think that a lot of other people would aspire to. I, I'm not saying copy, but but get the sim similar feelings that you seem to have drawn, Paula, from your career in terms of, um, yeah, I I, I guess you just quite happy with how things have turned out right and where you are now yeah i mean like i said i've made i made it work for me so whatever i'm wherever i'm in my life i try to right this is what i want to do now and right now i'm working a job that's flexible because that's what works for me right now so um, i think i think some people sort of look at finance as oh it's it's a bit boring it's a bit you know but to be honest it's what you make of it i've actually found finance quite interesting to be honest with you because i've done a lot of stuff with it but it's it's what you make of it it really is it's a very flexible career. You can you can travel with it. You can do a lot of stuff with it. It's key, um, you know, it's central to um, to running the business. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's what you make of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And but the, there was another thing in what you were saying in terms of the points. And I, I, if I went on to each one, we'd probably be doing this for hours. But the one for me that that keeps coming up is that that personal you call it personal strategy. Um, it's just yeah. having a sense of of what what a a good outcome I suppose a career looks like in terms of your you know what it looks like what it feels like the type of conversations you're having the industries you you know you you mentioned Paula, it's it's just having that sense and then that winding path 
will probably end up there if you're tuned into what it is that you you have a strategy over. Um, but it just it just mm. you know I think that's the biggest help in terms of the, the guest mentors on on this show. They're they're helping people understand what that that career might actually look like. So again, I really appreciate yeah. you sharing those experiences because you've helped um, form that those images in people's minds of what's possible. And and also, you know, I like the word you used of confidence as well, just to just to go with the mm-hmm. go go with it, go with it. So yeah. look, um, so thanks for sharing such great advice, Paula. I'm curious though to know what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received. Probably that winding road bit, actually, um, because it because it stopped me from sort of uh, well, it didn't stop me from doing anything to be honest with you, but it um, it um, it kind of made me feel more confident that yeah, I'm going to do this different stuff. It's okay. I don't I don't need to stay on that straight line. You know, I can um, I can come off it. I can do stuff and and for me, it has actually added to my CV, even though that was not the intention when I did it at all. So that's probably the best bit of advice I've received. Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. And I suppose in terms of resources you found useful, any movies or re- uh, books that you, you've read you found re- useful and can share with the audience? With regards to useful for, for work and business, um, I, I wouldn't say particularly. I'm not, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big <laughs> fan on, um, on reading books for work. I read books for, okay. for pleasure and, and things like that. But that's, that's, you know, I think that's as important. Winding definitely. down time and relaxing time is as important as, as hard working. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I suppose, um, okay, so maybe watch, watch your favourite movie. It's got to be Spinal Tap. Oh, my God. It's a classic. I must have seen it about 25 times. I'm a bit of a rock chick, you see, so it, uh, it's, it takes me back to my younger years. Oh, wow, yeah, goodness. I, I, did I do the, the um, what's his... Um, uh, is it the bass guitarist in that don't tell me he's the guy that does the voice of homer simpson am i right uh yeah i think you might be right actually yeah, yeah. yeah. i'll have to yeah, double check sure, that yeah. one but yeah no i only know that because uh, yeah there's a, a similar person i was speaking to has probably watched it as many times um the, oh the, it's a big classic sure, yeah. so yes i encourage our, our audience definitely check that out if, for, for some wind down time <laughs> it's, it's very funny very good and um yeah like uh, i i actually do like the the british humor i know if you can generalize that way i actually really like the way um it's been written and uh and, and, and yeah goes. so brilliant so thanks thanks for sharing those paula i suppose if there's there's members of our audience that wish to continue the conversation or connect with you what's the best place or way to do that uh look me up on linkedin i would say that's probably the, the easiest thing i'll put your linkedin information where to find you on linkedin on the show notes and um yeah yeah like like paula look i know you've you've given loads and shared loads of great thoughts with us um but would you have any parting thoughts for our audience perhaps to take away from this episode um or oh, i could i could talk all day about <laughs> yeah. everything um i think um i i think i mean but there's probably um a few, a few more points yeah. actually yeah. on on the things to kind of remember is um um one of one of one of my sort of early strategic insights, if you like, was was back in the day when I worked at EMI Records, and um, it, maybe I can just, if you've got time, to just quickly course, take yeah. you through an experience I had there that made me sort of think, oh, okay, this is interesting. So it was my first job out of university, and uh, it, was, it was the early nineties, nineteen ninety two, and EMI Records was at the time one of the biggest record companies in the world. Um, 
it was, as I said, 1992, and the World Wide Web had only just been invented. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm showing my age here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was wide-eyed and I was excited about this new invention. And, I, would, you know, I would often daydream about all these opportunities it could bring. Now, at the time, I was working as a trainee accountant for EMI, and I was looking at the production of scrappage costs of CDs. Um, and I thought of an idea mm-hmm. that instead of having large megastores selling CDs and, and cassette tapes, which they were still selling at the time, um, and not really knowing how many to produce – why not have a small kiosk in every town that could download the music from a big mainframe and a company's headquarters onto like blank CDs? Um, and you could also have a printer if you like to print off the artwork for the album cover. And within a few minutes, the customer would have its, a CD that they wanted without the overheads of having to l- run a large store or getting the production numbers wrong. And and these thoughts, of course, were before downloadable music started. So I wrote a letter at the time. I was a graduate writing a letter to my CFO telling him what I thought was a brilliant idea. And I sat there excitedly waiting for an answer. But, you know, it took over three weeks to get an answer from him. And what I got was really disappointing. Oh. It was basically just a kind of patronizing pat on the head saying, oh, very strategic. Well done. And nothing was ever implemented. But, you know, a key thing here is that this, this, that response mm turned out to be the response that the whole music industry gave to downloadable music. And today, EMI Records, which was once the biggest record company in the world, now no longer is in business. So a really key insight here is that at the very early stage of my career, I learned that never, ever ignore the changes on the horizon. No matter how unpalatable they are to you, you know, you ignore them at your peril. And another point on this is actually be open to other people's opinions because regardless of where they sit in the organization, there may just be something there that's really valuable. So being open to new ideas or other ways of looking at things potentially could be the difference between life and death of your company. And I think that's a really important point to note. And it was a very interesting experience for me to have in those very early days. Yeah, that, that's um, that's very young in in anyone's career i suppose to to actually get such such an insight well i, say, I think i think when i was i was lucky in a way that um obviously i started my um career just as the internet started taking off and that's had such a yeah. massive impact on the way that things have changed in in life and in business um so so i was there sort of right at the time when it was happening so i think that's that's how and there'd be many many people who i guess of my age would that have the same sort of experiences because it changed so much yeah yeah well like i mean it's funny i think we had a previous guest mentor on and we were talking about the 90s and how they had like one computer to go through a few members of the finance team i mean it's and like you know if you think the internet started then and it's still the wave is sort of we're still riding out around digitization and the introduction of robotic process automation, figuring out whether blockchain mm. is is useful applications for us in finance. Yeah. There's, and it, and it probably the seeds were probably starting to be sown around then. And it's just interesting that finance, you know, we've had to get more strategic in in order to remain more relevant. Absolutely, um, and we have to be adaptable as well and very flexible to 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 accept those changes. We, we again, we can't ignore them. I mean. In the finance world, you might think, oh, I don't want to do artificial intelligence or anything like that. But we have to embrace them. And, and actually, there can, be a, there can be a massive benefit to us. If we don't embrace them and we don't adapt, we will become irrelevant. So it's, we have no choice about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I, again, I think you put it very bluntly there, Paula. So I'm glad you you did. I'll no, 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 I'm glad you did because I agree with you. I think we don't have any choice in the matter. So, so look, Paul, I look, really appreciate you sharing that story and being such a great guest mentor on our show. And yeah, again, thank you for investing the time in us today. You're very welcome. Thank you very much, Andrew. So there you have it. 
Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.